0: This message is from Icon, from community, Icon church. community Church. Icon is a church located in Metro located Atlanta and Metro Seeks to be Atlanta. Defined by Grace, Grace. Grace. Community. Community. community, and renewal. Community and renewal. For more information, please visit our website at iconcommunitychurch.org, at iconcommunitychurch.org. or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and a Twitter. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We have been going through this series on the attributes of God. We've talked on some things that, that I think many of us have been familiar with. God is good. God is gracious. God is holy. God is loyal, loving. When Jen preached on hesed or chesed, God is, uh, we, we talk about all of these incredible attributes that on the surface of it, just the words themselves are all good things. God is I am, Yahweh. Now, here's a word describing God that we normally do not ascribe something positive to. God is jealous, jealous. How could anything good be considered jealous? How can God be both good and jealous? We struggle with this idea that a loving, perfect, knowledgeable, omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent God could ever be jealous? I mean, jealous, for most, for many of us, if not all of us, jealous is an ugly word. We rarely think of being jealous as a good thing. Uh, In Shakespeare's Othello, he referred to it as the green-eyed monster, jealousy. It has overtones of selfishness, uh, uh, suspicion, distrust it implies this hideous resentment or hostility toward other people because of some uh, advantage it's possessive it's demanding it's overbearing and all of those things are repulsive so so jealous i mean the idea of jealousy for many of us it it stifles freedom it stifles individuality it degrades it demeans it breeds tension it breeds discord, it destroys friendships, it destroys marriages. We view jealousy as a horrible trait, and we hate it. And yet, we do not have to read very far in the Bible before we hear God saying, what I'm going to read to you now in Exodus, where we see God describing himself as jealous. I'm going to submit to you that jealousy in and of itself is not necessarily a bad thing. And for the believer, for those of us who trust God, it is necessary that we know him to be a jealous God because it is in our best interest that God is indeed jealous. Read with me Exodus chapter 20. Uh, the focus would be on verses four and five, but I'm going to read all the way uh, from one through six, just to give us some Some context here. Exodus chapter 20, beginning with verse 1. Then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. Do not have other gods besides me. Do not make an idol for yourself, whether in the shape of anything in the heavens above or on the earth below or in the waters under the earth. Do not bow in worship to them and do not serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the father's iniquity to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing faithful love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commands. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Even though it talks about jealousy, we need to be thankful for this. Because here, God is using this word. He's describing himself as jealous. Now, with all of our modern sensibilities and our leanings and the way that we think about jealousy, this will cause us a struggle, right? Cause us to struggle. Because even within our relationships, we would say, well, a really bad sign of a relationship is when jealousy is there. Real trust means there should be no jealousy. Well, God says something a little bit different. Now, here's our problem when we think about jealousy, this is the, the reason why we, we think about God and struggle with this. We say, a jealous God, how could a holy, just, loving, gracious, merciful, long suffering God possibly be jealous? Well, this means that we need to explore a side of jealousy that likely has escaped us. Here's the problem you, you and I, we usually think about jealousy as a shortcoming, as an imperfection, as sin. Nowadays, we have a real easy word for it. We look at it as, as petty. We look at it as uh, hating on somebody. We look at it as uh, this, this idea that like you've got this pettiness in you that needs to be rooted out so that you can be more emotionally healthy. So it can be confusing for people when they come across a verse like this. And there are several other verses. In Deuteronomy, God refers to himself as jealous. In Joshua, he refers to himself as jealous. Can struggle because we have done something that I think is a really easy mistake, an easy conflation. We have confused and conflated jealousy with envy. Now, you might think that jealousy and envy are synonymous. I have too. It's very common. We use them interchangeably. And there's some overlap. Don't get me wrong, there's overlap there. In the same way that that theft and vandalism have some overlap. If you were to do a Venn diagram, you would see areas where there's real uh, overlap. However, there are some very distinct differences here. Uh, uh, The Merriam-Webster's dictionary defines jealousy and envy in these ways. Jealous, intolerant of rivalry or unfaithfulness, or disposed to suspect rivalry or unfaithfulness. Second definition, hostile toward a rival or one believed to enjoy an advantage. And the third definition, vigilant in guarding a possession. So the idea of jealousy here is this idea that either uh, a concern that something or someone is going to be unfaithful or be a threat to something that you already have. Right, This idea that you're suspecting that something that you have is going to be drawn away or taken away from you. Or someone with whom you're in relationship will be drawn away or taken away. There's also a hostility toward a rival who think, who you think may be taking that advantage away from you. It also means there's this vigilance, right? This zeal to guard and protect what is yours or what you believe is yours. That's jealousy. Envy is slightly different, or even substantively different. Envy, according to Webster's, painful or resentful awareness of an advantage enjoyed by another joined with a desire to possess the same advantage. In other words, uh, uh, envy is when you want what someone else has, but jealousy is when you're worried someone's trying to take what you have. It's It's a difference there. It's defined, uh, envy here is defined to be a sorrow which one entertains at another's well-being because of a view that one's own excellence is a consequence that is lessened. So, so here, really, when you think about envy, there's this idea that I am so, uh, I'm so sad at their happiness or I'm happy at their sadness. I'm happy that they're not getting the advantage that I don't want to see them have, or I'm sad that they have something that maybe I wish I had. But jealousy is, I have this, or I believe I have this, and this person is taking it or has taken it from me. We confuse jealousy with envy. God is never envious, because there is nothing that anyone else has that hasn't been God's first, or that doesn't belong to God, right? The heavens are the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything that exists belongs to God. Anything we have is on loan from God. God can't be envious, but God can be jealous because everything belongs to him. So anything that gets directed away from from him or directed against him is uh, is being taken from him. His glory is being taken from him. His uh, things about him are being robbed and directed in a different direction. So God is jealous because all things belong to him. But he can't be envious. We can be envious. You can feel envy about something you don't have, but that you want. But you feel jealousy over something you already have, but are afraid of losing. This is the difference. If someone else had something that you desired, or they accomplished something that made them look better than you, and you wanted that prestige or you wanted that standing, then you're not really jealous. You're envious of them. You want that. Uh, that that fame that they have or the glory that they have or the popularity that they have. Desire for what they have or resentment for them because of their position is envy. It really is kind of what we call hating, right? I don't like what you have. I, I don't like the fact that you're getting this uh, this all of this good press. I'm going to say something to lower your shine. Just hating on you. Envy also is one of the only, if not the only sin, that actually doesn't even make you feel good Like a lot of sins, most sins, we do because there's some even temporal benefit we think we get in the moment, right? Almost every sin, there's something good you get to feel. There's something good for you. Envy is one, if not the only sin, that doesn't even make you feel good temporarily. It's always sin. That's why God can never be envious, but he is always jealous. So that that separation we need to make first. We need to understand the difference between jealousy and envy. Then it makes it easier to understand how God can be jealous. If you've been confusing it, yeah, it'll never make sense because you're thinking of envy. But jealousy is very different. Jealousy comes from a Latin word that's spelled very similar to jealous, and it's the word zealous. Jealousy and zeal, or jealous and zealous, they come from the same Latin word. And it uh, the word refers to someone who is marked by fervent partisanship for a person, a cause, or an ideal. So someone with zeal has an eagerness and an ardent pursuit of something. So if you're jealous, there's a zeal to pursue something or to protect something that is yours. Typically, jealousy means a guarding of something. It's mine. I don't want it to be taken away. I think there might be a threat that it might be taken away. I have a zeal to protect it. That is jealousy. And the root idea, even in the Old Testament word for jealousy, is also the same, right? The, the, uh, the, the root word in the Old Testament for jealousy, it means to become intensely red, right? Kind of red with almost red with anger, red with zeal to to really protect something. It seems to refer to like the changing color of uh, the face or the rising heat of emotions that are often associated with zeal or fervor over something dear to us. In fact, both the Old and the New Testament words for jealousy are also translated as zeal. Being jealous and being zealous are essentially the same thing in the Bible. God is zealous. He's eager about protecting what is precious to him. One thing he views as especially important to him in the Old Testament, we see over and over again, is the nation of Israel, those that belong to him. In the Old Testament, the nation of Israel, their job was to be God's representatives in the land. Their job was to uh, uh, display the love of God, make the love of God, the heart of God, the law of God manifest. And all the land, so that other people would come to know God, and they would be a blessing to the nations. He viewed them as very special. He viewed them as his own. She belonged to him as his special possession, his unique treasure. There are examples of this. Psalm 1354, God looks at Israel as his own possession. He does it again in Hosea, where we see Hosea 2. He views Israel as his wife. He says, "I will betroth you to me forever." Using that language, that marital language is something that uh, we can understand. Either we've been married or we uh, know people who are married and we understand the general idea behind marriage, right? God expects exclusive devotion from Israel. So when Israel goes after other lovers, meaning when Israel worships other gods and thus commits spiritual adultery, God is said to be jealous. That makes sense. I mean, when you take vows and people get married to have and to hold, right, until until death do you part, there's this idea that to have you and to hold you, we're not, you know, sometimes it can get extremely unhealthy in certain cultures when we think about possession. We don't mean possession in a chattel-type way, but relationally, we have devoted ourselves one to another. I've said that I'm devoting myself to you and you alone. So, in that sense, we have each other. God expects them to be, to practice fidelity. And so, when the term is used here, this is God describing his his jealousy when they commit spiritual adultery. Anytime it's applied throughout the scriptures, when when jealousy gets applied to God, it usually applies because his people are worshiping idols, The, the manner in which they are comporting themselves or conducting themselves is in such a way that, d- that, that would show that they are devoting themselves to someone else other than God. The same for you and me. There are ways in which we conduct ourselves that says we are serving another and not God, which is sin. And God is jealous over that. So here, we see that God is, even in Hosea, he's been saying, I'm using, we've gone through Hosea before, go back and check it out. But ultimately, God says, Hosea, marry this woman who's going to be uh, practice infidelity. She's going to uh, sleep with other people. She is going to cheat on you. Make that happen so that this will be the object lesson. Worst object, lesson ever, but, but I'm probably the greatest because they understood it, but it'd be bad for Hosea. We never asked how he felt. But Hosea is dealing with uh, his wife being this and having to let Israel see this. And Israel has to go, that's us? That's who we are to you, God? The ways that we've been worshiping other gods, the ways that we've been living our lives in a way that doesn't glorify you, living in ways that don't image you well, we are looked at as, a, as an adulterous spouse? And God says, I'm jealous because you belong to me. And so because of that, you are violating uh, the second of the Ten Commandments. And he warned them not to do that, but they failed to listen to him. Another example we see, we see in Psalm, uh, the scripture says, for they provoked him with their high places and aroused his jealousy with their graven images. Again, this idea of uh, idolatry, the way in which we worship, the way in which we live, it provokes God's jealousy. God is jealous. We see an example in the New Testament as well. Uh, after uh, discussing idolatry in the church of Corinth, Paul uh, asks, or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Again, we can provoke his jealousy whenever we are not walking with him well. And, and anytime that we walk in a way that is oriented against him, we provoke his jealousy. And it's not just I'm angry for the sake of being angry. I'm angry because I'm jealous for you. God is jealous for our sake. And and, and he's jealous for his sake, we'll see that in a minute, but he's also jealous for our sake. So you have to ask then, if God compares those that belong to him as his spouse, if he were not to be jealous, we would have to question if we are truly his. It's one of those things where sometimes people want to know, hey, am I really valuable to you? Like, do, do you not, if there's someone, I've seen some couples, they'll be like, you know, one person is making overtures towards another and the other person's like, eh, no big deal. People are going, wait, am I not your husband or your wife? You don't care that someone is, you, that, that doesn't bother you at all? It would make me wonder if you genuinely love me or care about me, or if you genuinely value me. We have to ask the question, if God were to stop being jealous over our our idolatry, we'd have to question, are we truly His? So we struggle with jealousy ever being a good thing for us because oftentimes for us, jealousy is a bad thing. And there are examples of bad jealousy in Scripture. We might struggle with knowing what good jealousy looks like, but there are several examples of bad jealousy. For example, because of Jacob's favored position with his father, remember this, Jacob and his brothers? I'm sorry, Joseph. Joseph and his brothers, the sons of Jacob. And and because of Joseph's uh, relationship with his father, Jacob, and because of him being kind of uh, uh, having special favor from his family, from his parents, and because of this regal coat that Jacob gave him, the scripture says, his brothers were jealous of him. Genesis 37, they were jealous. The sinful attitudes they had, uh, they, they resulted in these sinful acts. First, they plotted his death. Then they cast him in a pit. And then finally, they sold him into slavery. Selfishness and sinfulness were written all over their lives. Why? Because they saw a sense of glory and honor being given to their kid brother that they thought belonged to them. And so because of that, they were deeply jealous. You can see some of the, the, again, Venn diagram where there's some envy and jealousy here, but they already thought they should have it. And maybe they thought they had it before Joseph was born. Maybe they thought, hey, dad loves me because I get this from him. Then they see a different kind of love shown, and and you could almost wonder, wait, does dad really love me then? Because I thought he did. I thought I had his love. I thought I had his favor, but I see something different. Another example of sinful jealousy we see in the New Testament in the book of Acts, when, if you remember, the apostles were preaching, and their power was on display, and they were performing miracles, and they were performing healing. You had large numbers of people becoming believers and following Jesus, and these Jewish Religious rulers became furious, enraged, outraged. Why? Because their position of authority that they had or that they thought they had became threatened. Scripture says they were filled with jealousy, Acts 5. Filled with jealousy. Why? Because there was something that I thought I had or something that I thought I deserved, and it was going to another. Something that they were—they felt threatened because the power and authority and position and privilege that they had in society was being threatened. Now, that should not shock any of us, right? Politics often work this way. If one political party has something that maybe even the majority of Americans agree with, the other party is super not thrilled about because then it's going to look like that side is going to at least win the argument and have the microphone, if you will, for having that good position. So they have to, on principle, stand against it because they don't want them to have the same level of authority or the same uh, level of influence because there's jealousy there. This happens along the way. What happens to these apostles as a result? They get thrown into prison. The religious leaders have them flogged. Their selfish motives were unmistakable. When we are jealous in a sinful way, we often try to hurt others, just like Joseph's brothers, just like the Jewish uh, religious leaders did. We pick at them. We find fault with them. We even gossip about them. Critical attitudes toward other people are almost always spawned by a selfish jealousy or envy. But here's here's the interesting thing. Because we know that, Because we know that typically jealousy many times is rooted in something selfish and wrong. Many times our jealousy is rooted in maybe having the wrong facts. This is always the case, right? If you have the wrong facts, it will lead to wrong thinking. Wrong thinking will lead to wrong feeling. Wrong feeling will lead to wrong reaction or wrong behaving. It's a very linear thing many times. And so, well, I heard that somebody was doing this with this person. I heard, what, that, is that true? If that's true, that's going to make me feel a thing, and then I'm going to act on that thing. So, many times, jealousy can be hard to deal with because you don't really know the facts. You just maybe choose to believe that something is true, and then you think and act accordingly. And so, for a lot of us, jealousy is a hard thing to figure out. Is it right? Is it wrong? Well, I don't know because I don't have all the facts right. But with God, He's omniscient, He has all the facts. God's jealousy can't be rooted in something false. God's jealousy can't be rooted in just selfishness. It can't be rooted in ignorance. A lot of times ours is. So again, that's why when we hear that God is jealous, we we get confused because our jealousy so often is because of our own weakness and our own ignorance of things. But God doesn't have any of that. There's not a trace of selfishness in God's jealousy. It is perfectly pure. Its expressions reveal his pure motives, his holy motives. So what is God jealous over? What is he jealous over? And who is he jealous over? God is jealous, number one, for his holy name. God is jealous for his holy name. If you remember, it wasn't long after God first spoke of his jealousy that we just read that he had occasion to demonstrate it. What happened after that, right? In Exodus 20. Remember, God, uh, uh, Moses is on the mountaintop and he's talking to God and God has given him the 10 commandments and he's getting ready to, to come down and bring that to the people. So he's, he eventually comes down. He's got the two tablets in his hand, the law in his hands. And what does he find? The people of Israel having a whole carnival of idolatrous worship. They've got a golden image of a calf. They're dancing, they're singing, they're praising, they're praying. He throws the tablets to the earth, allows them uh, to break. He burned the calf to the ground, to ground it up into powder, then commanded the Levites uh, to discipline the people. This was a vivid expression of God's jealousy operating through his servant Moses. Listen, this is, in many ways, God disciplines those that he loves. Why? Because he's jealous of his name in them. He's jealous of his glory in them because his name and his glory is always for his people's best interest. When the crisis of all that passed, God invited Moses back to the mountain for a fresh encounter, remember? Moses comes back, and he gets to be with God himself, and that's when he revealed his glory to Moses. No one had ever seen it before. They were afraid you would die. They have been told you would die. Moses saw God as compassionate then, and gracious, and long-suffering, who abounds in mercy. And the culmination of that revelation uh, came a few moments later when God said, watch yourself, that you make no covenant with the inhabitants of the land into which you are going, lest it become a snare in your midst. But rather, you are to tear down their altars and smash their sacred pillars and cut down their asherim. For you shall not worship any other God. For the Lord, listen to this, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. That should really hit us for a minute. We think about the names of God. I never hear anybody say jealous. We call you righteous. We call you holy. We call you good. We call you merciful. We call you jealous. I'm waiting for that song to be made. You think about Isaiah 42. I am the Lord. That is my name. I will not give my glory to another, Not nor my praise to graven images. God is jealous of his name. And his name has been written on you, and his name has been written on me. So the way that we live, the way that we act, the way that we love either confirms who God is or denies who God is. God is jealous for his name. The other thing God is jealous for, he is jealous for our best interests. And this is the thing you have to get. This is the thing we've got to remember. It's super hard to get it on a head level and on a heart level. Not only is God jealous for himself and his name and his glory, but he's jealous for us. God has a passionate, consuming zeal for our best interest, And he wants us to share that zeal by being jealous for his glory and jealous for one another. Think about this. When is the last time you've been jealous for someone else? In other words, I'm I'm jealous. I'm deeply desiring these good things for them. Things that I, I, I want God's grace and mercy for them. If they are a child of God, they are entitled to the blessings of God and the grace of God and the mercy of God. We should want those things for each other. And not just even those who claim to love Jesus. For our fellow image bearers, we should want to see and have a deep jealousy for good things in their lives. That's how God loves us. Zechariah 1, we see the example. Remember, the Assyrians have been threatening to destroy Jerusalem. And what did God say? I am exceedingly jealous for Jerusalem and Zion. God is jealous for those whom he loves and takes positive steps to help them, just as we are jealous for those whom we love when they are threatened, wronged, or abused. Something bad happens to people that we love. We are jealous for thing, for good things for them. We are uh, protective of good things that should be theirs. I mean, I think that is rooted in what we love to bring up in Micah 6.8, right? The great requirement. Do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with God. Why? Because these are all things that should belong to image bearers. Justice should belong to image bearers, right? Mercy should belong to image bearers, right? Humility, walking humble with God and what that brings to other image bearers. These are things that should always be true. We should have a deep jealousy, a deep zeal to see those things happen. God wants only the best for us. And at this very moment, He is planning things that will bring benefit and blessings into our lives. It's hard to believe, it's hard to hold to, because we may have defined what the blessing should look like, but God is jealous about blessing you, about blessing me, about the glory of God being made manifest in our lives. Second example of God's jealousy for our best interests, the apostle Paul also shared God's jealousy for other Christians, right? Where uh, converts at Corinth that Paul had witnessed to, Paul had shared the gospel with, he had discipled in Corinth, they began to fall for the subtle perversion of the gospel being propagated by people who did not follow God, who did not follow Jesus, and they had infiltrated the church. We talked a good deal about that a couple of years ago in our series, uh, I think uh, in our series on 1 Corinthians, The Body United, I believe it's called, check that out. But but there you see like there was all these different things that people started to believe and started to follow because of false teachers that were starting to settle in. And people started following that. You saw people abusing spiritual gifts. You saw people uh, abusing God's grace and being in horrible, uh, ungodly relationships. And then when Paul writes to them again in 2 Corinthians, he says, For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy, for I betrothed you to one husband, that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. In other words, I wanted to present you as one who has been undefiled, if you will, by sin, undefiled by idolatry, undefiled by false teaching. Paul saw himself as their spiritual father, if you will. And he had promised them to Christ, their spiritual bridegroom. It was his desire, his zealous desire to present them to their husband as a bride, untainted with the distorted doctrine of these false apostles. So for that reason, he faithfully taught them the truth, at great personal sacrifice, and he encouraged them to submit to it. So again, that's something that we should be doing. I I have a jealousy for God's glory in your life, which means when you start believing things that are not true, and that believing starts leading to feeling things that are not true and doing things that are not true, it's not just, I think, sometimes in in, in church circles, it's, oh, no, you're making our tribe look bad. We want to now overpower you to stop you from making our shield uh, look tainted. No. It's, oh, no. The things you're believing are going to cause you to be robbed of the true blessedness that God has for you. This isn't about making sure that you keep the company line going. This is about ensuring that the kingdom blessedness that is yours, that is promised, that is your inheritance, that that doesn't get tainted in any way. Not only the blessing that you have, but also your job in representing who God is well. There's a jealousy over God's glory and the jealousy over the blessedness of God in the lives of believers that we should have, that Paul had. If we shared God's jealousy for others, then we would be filling our minds with God's truth and graciously sharing it with those who God sends our way. And I know that's hard. And there's a way to do it. There's Wisdom we have to use just in conversation. But ultimately, this is the thing. I know that because of the ways in which um, churches have been abusive and the ways in in which um, even in the the, the church uh, complex, if you will, has created so many things and deconstruction has been necessary in dealing with those things. Many times we think that what what we need to do then to start looking for truth outside of the gospel, outside of God's heart, outside of the things God has revealed, that is dangerous. Whenever your deconstruction does not lead to a deeper transformation into the image of Christ, your deconstruction is failing you. And your deconstruction, and sometimes, might look like a jealousy you have for your own glory that robs God's glory. So you got to be careful because ultimately, a deep, zealous jealousy for God's glory. In, in our lives and in others, it has to start with returning back to what God has already said about himself and what God has already revealed about himself, what he has said and what his heart has been, ways in which his heart has been displayed. And when that's true, that's the only way that we can truly want the best for others. And we know that uh, patterning our lives after the heart of God, as revealed by his word, will always result in the greatest possible good for us. Patterning our lives after the heart of God as revealed by his word will always result in the greatest possible good for us. So if we cared enough, we would share the very best, the truths, and the heart of God. We would live that out. And we would see that anywhere where we don't do this will provoke the jealousy of God because that's what he wants. He wants the glory of his own name and the blessedness of his own people. So in wrapping up, how does holy jealousy then look? Because we need a holy jealousy because God is holy and God is jealous. We're to be holy, we're to be jealous in the right way. So how do we do it? i give you three ways. Holy jealousy can be made manifest in our time. The way that we treat our time really does show a way in which we are trying to glorify God with our lives. I'm not saying have a specific thing with what you do at every time and every day. But in general, look, the the scriptures say there is a time for everything and a time for every event under heaven. There's a stewardship of our time to acknowledge what we do with our time. God wants us to take time to be continually renewed physically and spiritually. The whole reason for the Sabbath, being renewed spiritually and physically. As we allot and devote more time to God, our level of devotion, trust, strengthens our divine relationship with Him. And I'm not saying I can give you a good calendar or a timeline or what to do every day, because it's not necessarily just, here's a good discipline to do every day. It might be. But really, it just means, let me look at my time and say, how is my time being used in such a way that would show, that would not provoke God's jealousy? Second way is our possessions. God created everything. God created all things, and he never transferred ownership to his people. He's allowed us to manage the things that God owns. He has allowed us to be a steward. So we are expected to be faithful and wise managers of everything God has entrusted to us. God rewards faithfulness And caring for families, caring for our finances, caring for our neighbor, caring for our city, caring for those in our communities. Those are the things that God says, these are the things that you have to use and steward well in order to bring me glory. Why? Because I'm jealous for my glory, and I'm jealous for the blessedness in in, in your life. And the greatest possible good that you can have, I'm jealous for, I'm zealous for, I want to protect, I want to uh, continue to work for. And so so we have to ask ourselves, like, when you think about uh, the parable of the unwise steward, the unwise manager, remember what he said, one who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you uh, to the true riches? In other words, the things that you have, whatever it is, be a wise steward over that. What does wisdom and stewardship look like? How do I use the things that I have in accordance with the one who truly owns it? That's it. Whatever I have, how do I use it in accordance with the true owner? How do I not act like I'm the owner, but I act as if God is the true owner? To not do that is to rob God of his glory. Here's the third way that we don't do that. In our purpose. So you've got our our time our possessions, and our purpose. And by purpose, I'm going to combine that with our relationships. Because, see, Jesus gave us the greatest commandment. What did he say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Later, Jesus would even put that on steroids and say, love your neighbor as I have loved you. So, our relationship to God and our relationship to one another, that is our purpose on this earth. Hear me. Whatever other purposes you have, my purpose is to, and again, these are all good things, right? All good subjective purposes. My purpose is to make music. My purpose is to act. My purpose is to do engineering. My purpose is to, all those things are great, but all of those purposes should be undergirded by the objective purpose that God has for every single image bearer. That is to love God with everything you have and to love your neighbor the way God has loved you. That's your purpose. So anything that frustrates that purpose should be questioned because you should have a jealousy for God's purposes in your life. Because God has a jealousy for his purposes in your life. We should have a deep uh, desire to, how do, again, all the things we've already said, time and possessions, how do we love God with all of those things? And how do we love the neighbor the way God has loved us? To not do that is to rob God of his glory. If you really think about it, any sin that we have, whether sins within ourselves or sin against each other, is a function of a jealousy for our own glory instead of a jealousy for God's glory. Let's just be honest. When there's something that you or I do or we choose to do because of how it might make us feel or because of something we think we're going to get, and we know that it wouldn't bring God any real glory or any real joy and it would pain his heart, We choose to do it in the moment because we have a jealousy, a desire to protect what we think should belong to us, that glory in the moment, that feeling in the moment, that comfort in the moment. So I do it. and I do it because I think I deserve it and I want it and I'm clinging to it and I'm zealous over it. And I'm zealous over it at the expense of God's glory. Anytime, anytime we find ourselves in sin, it's a function of the wrong kind of jealousy. It's a jealousy for our own glory and not a jealousy for God's glory. And that's why in the same way, in the way we love people, it is in our best interest to love people well after we've been influenced by that kind of godly jealousy. You will be, you will love people the best when you are overwhelmed by God's jealousy in your life and over the lives of others. When you're like, I just want to see God's glory in your life. I want to be able to see the blessedness of God, the goodness of God, the mercy the mercy of God, the loyal love, the loving kindness of God. I want to see that in your life. I'm overwhelmed by that. I'm so jealous for that over your life that I just want to love you well, encourage you well, help, help be a, a voice of, of, uh, of correction if need be, and a voice of comfort whenever necessary. At the end of the day, guys... God is a jealous God. And the truth of his jealousy challenges us to give God his due, to put him above all else. And then that empowers us to love each other well. You know what it also means? It means that God is looking out for our best interests. So as we go and we continue through this series on God's attributes, getting to know God as a jealous God, will increase our devotion to him, deepen our trust in him, strengthen our dedication to him and each other as we faithfully live out his heart, as we faithfully are committed to pursuing his glory and his blessedness in ourselves and in each other. God is a jealous God, and we need to be thankful for that because it's in your best interest he be jealous, because all He wants is what is the greatest possible good for you and for me. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for Your goodness. I thank You for Your mercy. I thank You for Your loving kindness. I thank You for the times in which You, in giving Your Son for, for us, for our sins, You have washed away, You have washed washed us clean. We do not stand guilty for all the ways in which we have exchanged your glory for our own. You have rescued us. You have ransomed us. But God, I I pray that we would know that all of your glory and all of your mercy for us is rooted even in your jealousy for the good things for us, the jealousy for your name and the jealousy for your blessedness in our lives. God, thank you for being a jealous God. Father, will you make us the good kind of jealous? Will you root out the bad jealousy that's there? Will you crucify in our flesh and in our heart the sinful ways in which we are practicing bad jealousy? And Father, give us a deep, holy, godly jealousy for your glory in our lives, in the lives of our friends, our family, our neighbors, our cities, our states, our nation, our very world. God, make us a people that are, that, are, that is zealous for your glory any and everywhere we go, not so that we can pat ourselves on the back, not so that we can make ourselves enlarged, but to show already just how great, how big, how loving, and how good you are. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your jealousy. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's receive this final blessing. This benediction from God, <clears throat> this benediction, this goodness that he offers us, this goodness that he promises us. Why? Because he's jealous for his own glory and is jealous for the blessedness in our lives. Now unto him that is able to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. It is to the only wise God, our Savior. Be glory, majesty, dominion, and power, both now and forever. And all of God's people said, amen. God bless you. Praise God from whom all blessings flow.